0: We're back here again in the court of current events uh, with Peter's Proffer talking about what's going on in the world. And we've got an interesting topic today. We've got a new guest on the pod today, a first time guest on the pod. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Again, if you want to hit us up on social media, it is at Tragos Law and at Gina Meisenhelder. Play us in. is one that the cause can be debated, but the facts are pretty undisputed, and that's going to be racism in the judicial system. Uh, And to talk about it today, we brought the godfather of the firm and our very own criminal justice expert, George Tragos. It's his first time on the podcast, so we're excited to have him, and he's excited to be here. Um, and the, the way we're going to just kind of open it up is have him talk about what racism is in the judicial system. Well, r- simply put,
1: Peter, racism in the system is a race-based institution where African Americans are directly targeted and punished in a much more aggressive way than
0: white people are. And, and that's a simple definition. Okay, but wh- what evidence do we actually have that shows that they're punished more severely or targeted based on their race and the cause and effect, meaning it's not just that more of the minorities or African Americans have higher sentences or are more highly targeted, but what do we actually have that shows that?
1: Well, you've got to look at all the stats because you've got a situation where you may have a really good system, but people are making a lot of mistakes. Or you may have a system that is really racist, and those mistakes are intended. So you start with one, and you look at the surge in arrests over the last 40 years in the United States. In 1980, we had 40,000 people in the prison system, and today we have over 500,000 people. African Americans are 13% of the population. They're 14% of drug users. They are 37% of the people arrested for drug offenses in the United States. If you look at the stop and frisk in um, New York when they had that system when the police were pulling people over 80% of those stopped were African Americans or Latinos 85% of the African Americans or Latinos that were stopped were frisked the whites that were stopped only 8% were frisked
0: Okay so that seems that seems pretty clear from that one element or one piece of evidence, just the New York stop and frisk, 85% of minorities were frisked and only 8% of white people that were stopped were actually frisked. That tells me though that maybe there were some racist cops in New York or maybe there were some racist individuals that can pump that stat up. How does it flow throughout the entire judicial system, not just in law enforcement? Because I think a lot of people rightfully or wrongfully think that, you know, law enforcement officers may be racist, but how does that affect the actual judicial system? as a whole.
1: What they found in New York was that if you're an African American, you are 33% more likely to be detained awaiting your felony trial than if you were white.
0: Okay, so that that shows more than just law enforcement officers, and that shows judges, that shows prosecutors, that shows kind of the whole judicial system just that they're a third more likely as minorities to be sitting in jail waiting for trial versus somebody who's white. So I guess my my question with that would be, I know talking to a lot of people about it and even some of my own thoughts on it, I think when I look at the judicial system and I see some of the injustice in it, does a lot of that have to do with socioeconomic issues or is it race? How do we separate kind of the the wealthy versus the poor versus the race?
1: There are many things that contribute to it. One is for instance, 80% of the minorities that get arrested get the public defender. The public defender are heroes, but they're overworked, they're underpaid, and they don't have the resources. So you have minorities represented by attorneys that don't have the resources to defend them like a private lawyer would if they have the socioeconomic or the money to hire a private lawyer. You have jury service as another example. Jury service, if you look at juries in this country, primarily white, primarily male. You don't see a lot of minorities sitting on juries. Another reason how the system is slanted against racial minorities.
0: Well, and and the system also wouldn't, I'm sorry, the socioeconomics of a person wouldn't necessarily affect the stop and frisk because they don't know somebody's socioeconomic background when they do the stop and frisk. But I can understand, I guess, what we're talking about with the detention waiting on trial. A lot of that can have to do with bail and bond money and things like that. But I think pointing out the, the jury system, is also a big problem because I know in the juries that we pick when, you know, if we have a minority client and you want a jury of your client's peers, the last trial we had trying to pick a jury of my client's peers was impossible. He was an African-American young man and we had a jury of six middle-aged white women. So uh, how, what do the stats say on who is actually being selected for a jury and how that can affect the outcome of your client's case?
1: Well, Peter, you know that the U.S. Supreme Court has said that you can't exclude someone
0: based on race. You've got to have a race-neutral reason to kick somebody off a jury. And just just for example of our trial, we had 27 people in the venire, which is the group of people for us to pick our jurors from, and we had one African-American, one Latino, and maybe three uh, men that were in the age range of our client. So it wasn't that anybody got stricken for race. It was that nobody showed up that seemed to look like our client, age, race, gender.
1: And it's also not hard to find a reason to strike a juror for a race-neutral reason. Uh, They did a study in Houston County, uh, Alabama. Eight out of 10 African Americans who qualified for jury service were struck by the prosecutors from serving on death penalty cases. So although no one will say it's race-based, you can see by the statistics, it just seems inconceivable that you could have that kind of percentage, 80 percent, of them weren't qualified to sit on a death penalty case.
0: And then I think there's also, you have a stat in there that talks about uh, the difference in a jury that has one African-American on it versus a jury that has no African-Americans on it and how they convict minorities versus non-minority defendants.
1: Yes, there is a study shown that on an all white jury, there's an 81% conviction rate for African-Americans and a 66% conviction rate for white. And if you put one African American on that jury, the conviction rate for an African American drops to 71%, and for a white, it raises to 73%.
0: Okay, so the argument there, I guess, could go a number of different ways, but one of it seems like if there's one minority on the jury, then it seems like it's an even shake On convictions because it's I think you said 71% and 73% versus with no no minorities on the jury then it's 81% to 66% right okay so so judging off that and that's only one okay why don't you talk about how many people can actually end up on a jury depending on the case well
1: in Florida it's six for non-capital cases 12 for capital cases and in federal court it's 12 for any criminal case
0: so when you're talking about a capital case That means when there's potentially a death penalty at the end of it.
1: Correct. And so there are 12 people. Of those 12, finding an African American on these juries, I'm sure the stats are pretty difficult on finding one because maybe the prosecutors, maybe the defense lawyers, consciously or unconsciously, in good faith or not in good faith, are excluding that juror.
0: And and I remember back to... One of the first trials I did with you in federal court where our client was of Indian descent, and out of the 100-plus people we went through in the Venire to pick our 12-person jury, only one of them was of Indian descent, and he got stricken very quickly. So then we were left with zero people with the same nationality as our client. Right. And that was picking a 12-person jury in federal court for a criminal case.
1: Right. So you look at jurors, and what does an African-American see? An all-white jury. How about judges? We only have a very, very small percentage of African-American judges in Florida or on federal court. But, you know, there's, there's some funny statistics there that are hard to explain in that African-American judges are tougher on African-American defendants than they are on white defendants. So it's, it's hard to explain that, but that's an, an anomaly in these statistics is how African-American judges
0: react. And we won that trial with the Indian client, by the way. Yes. Um, but so when we're talking about um, African American judges, there was also an interesting stat that that you came up with talking about civil cases, which is mostly what I do. So I see we file some discrimination cases uh, in the employment area, and it's interesting because I do think that we have we have a couple African American judges and some Latino judges in our. Circuit, and there's a difference in how they look at discrimination cases versus a white judge.
1: White federal judges are about four times more likely to dismiss a race discrimination case outright than a minority or African American federal judge.
0: Which is just crazy to me to think about because you know, you think about when you get to that level, you're appointed for life, you're a federal judge. I don't know whether it's causally related or not, but just the statistics that that. Is an actual thing in federal court when we're bringing our discrimination claims. I mean, I wonder if there's ever going to be a time where that's actually going to affect forum shopping, basically, and picking what kind of judges you have. If you really have a four times more likely chance to get your case thrown out if you're in front of a non minority judge, if there are minority federal judges in your circuit. I think that stat should
1: affect settlements because judges are picked randomly. No one knows what judge you're going to get a computer spits out the name, when you get that judge, you know, if you're doing that type of case, you have an African-American judge, you know that statistic I just read, you may be more likely to settle that case than you would be to litigate
0: it. I think you had that backwards. So if if there's an African-American judge, I'd rather litigate that case as a plaintiff in a racial discrimination case. And if it's a a white judge, then I'd be more likely to settle it because there is a better chance of that case getting thrown out, right? You're correct. I did say that that backwards. Okay. So that can affect, and, and as bad as this may sound for people listening that aren't lawyers, lawyers do this type of research and we figure out what the potential outcomes of our cases are for our clients. So knowing stats like this really can affect your case. And then, you know, it begins to affect the entire judicial system because you know what you're dealing with and you're dealing with people, whether they have biases they they even know that they have or some that are just subconscious. Well, that's why it's
1: important to get a good lawyer because a good lawyer is going to know the the biases and the tendencies of judges. And therefore, you're going to be able to make decisions based on what that judge is going to do because you can predict it.
0: Okay, so let's get to kind of the end of a case and the end of the podcast and talk about one of the most staggering sections of this racism that's in the judicial system, especially the, the criminal justice system, and let's talk about sentencing. Uh, what, what stats do you have about sentencing that can show how this racism is really affecting the criminal justice system?
1: Well, the U.S. Sentencing Commission says that minority sentences are 10% higher than white sentences. Right now, 56% of people in state prison for drug offenses are African American. So there's, there's no doubt that there is a bias in sentencing as well. And you've also got a situation of what happens after sentencing. What about getting a job? 17% of white job applicants with criminal records receive callbacks from employers, but only 5% of African-American job applicants.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the stats are just even with no criminal background, how the employment field what the racism is in the in in the employment field just with a white applicant versus a minority applicant um because i think those stats would also be uh, in favor of the white applicant but then i guess if you add criminal charges it just makes it even an even greater divide between a white applicant and a minority applicant but when we talk about life sentences and you know we hear that the african-american population is less than 25 percent of the total population and then we talk about the numbers you're about to give on life sentences, that's incredibly staggering.
1: When you look at life
0: sentences, 62%
1: of the life sentences being served in the federal prisons are served by African Americans and only 33% by whites. All of these statistics can't be ignored, and we have
0: to do something about it. Okay, so what do we do about it, and who is doing something about it? Well, right now, the criminal law section is reviewing
1: a proposal and that proposal is to the criminal ad- law section of the Florida bar yes of the okay Florida so that's bar. the
0: lawyers in the criminal law section of the Florida bar what are they doing about it
1: they're trying to adjust mandatory minimum census trying to adjust habitual offender census trying to educate judges jurors, and prosecutors, and trying to give more discretion back to the judges so that they can do an appropriate sentence rather than forced to give long prison sentences for these areas that, again, target African-Americans and other minorities.
0: So for the listeners that don't um, understand how minimum mandatory sentences work, that's something written into the law by the legislature that no matter what any other circumstances are, a judge does not have discretion to give less than X amount of years in prison. That's correct. And there is no doubt
1: that it has a disproportionate effect on minority defendants.
0: Okay, so what type of education are you going to give law enforcement officers, prosecutors, judges that can help uh, curb these statistics? Well, I think the statistics
1: are important because I think a lot of them don't know that they're doing this. And they have to make a conscious effort to change the way they think and the way they look at minorities – so that we have a fair system that operates fairly for everybody
0: in this country. And I know that in a lot of cases, just from experience, that they will use their discretion, meaning the judges, in going up or down on a sentence. And I think that they need to go back and look at their own stats and see how they have reacted to you know, which defendants and see if there is a correlation to what the statistics say and what's going on in their courtrooms, or if it just happens to be that you know, it is what it is, and these are the people that are in front of them, and so they're just dealing with each individual case individually, and it just so happens that this is how the stats end up on the back end. I just recently had a case
1: in federal court in Tallahassee. The judge there was very concerned about sentencing my client, a white female economic crime, fairly compared to how he sentences minorities, and he wanted to make sure that he wasn't giving her a break, because she was a white female, as opposed to a minority defendant. And he was very concerned about that and fashioned a sentence that he believed was fair to everyone.
0: And I think that's important. And I think documenting the record to make sure that everything's on the record so everybody can go back and look at sentencing to see if that did play a role in how each one of these defendants individually is sentenced. Okay, so I guess we'll end it on you know, the, the stats are indisputable that there is racism in the judicial system overall, but what can we do to actually fix it? So hopefully this will cause a discussion for, for people to try to, to look into what these stats are, see how we can curb them. We appreciate you listening in and uh, we'll be back with you next time.